0: So uh, as we say last week, we were gone uh, driving a lot of hours. I did a lot of hours, but uh, I don't know. I lost about close to 30 hours in about four or five days. So we are back. Uh, We um, went to Arkansas with our with our son for college initiation orientation stuff like that. But on the way back, we uh, stopped at a church. that some friends of ours from college went to, and um, it's a it's a home church, and uh, they just it is kind of refreshing to be in an informal setting um, like that. And and these men were not formally trained; they just open up the Bible, and they they speak from it, and they draw lessons from it. And there's uh, I guess two of them that that have uh, switched off and on. in Christmas we were there uh, when and when we went to visit uh, family, and, and the other guy was speaking. The younger guy was speaking this time. And um, it is kind of it's refreshing just to hear people talk from like here's my thoughts on the Bible and here's here's they're going through Genesis Uh, they were like in Genesis 30 something when we went to Christmas and they're Genesis 49 (laughs) now so they're taking a long time to get through it so uh, there is however a danger Uh, and and this is kind of as I was thinking about this week's sermon kind of last week popped into my head there is a danger the younger guy that was spoke while he's really energetic and he's really passionate. right? Um, he has an idea, uh, and it's a noble idea, and I've heard this idea before, that every statement uh, in, the, in the Old Testament kind of refers to Christ. You've heard that before. I don't know if you've ever heard that. Well, he takes this very literally. Um, so so we, get in, we got into some weeds and stuff like that, but I, I admire him, uh, but, but uh, in Genesis 49, he was trying to talk about how all of these sons of, 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 you know, as, as, uh, as Jacob is going through and blessing all of his sons, how they're all symbols of Christ. It's like, well, I know one is for sure. I mean, there's definitely one is, you know, Judah and, and the, the, the scepter will not depart until it comes from, that's easy. That's easy, we can get there. Uh, Dan, I, not so much with the serpent. And, you know, uh, there's a lot of things I'm not quite sure about, but, uh, uh, but it was interesting to say the least. Um, as, as someone said, uh, you know, sometimes points in the Bible, they're like roads in Maine. You can't get there from here. right? <laughs> you, you simply can't connect those two dots. You should not have tried that. Uh, sometimes, you know, uh, a door in the Bible is a metaphor. Right. Uh, Jesus is a door. And, and sometimes a door is a piece of wood. It's attached to your house and it's got a knob on it, and it's not anything other than that, right? Uh, and so, not not everything is a metaphor. Uh, not every statement literally points to Jesus. In other words, um, yeah, there isn't a significance. I I don't believe to the fact that, for example, just random, that Jesus or, or that 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 um, David picked up five stones. Why did he pick up five? Stones? Five is the number of grace, and you know, like, uh, there's uh, in the, the 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 grace has five steps of salvation. And it gives, ah, crazy. We, we could we could go through all this craziness. First uh, Corinthians ten, however, uh, we're getting to our lesson in our, our our series that we're starting. There is an interesting, and I, I referred to this in class. It's probably why it was on my mind in classes because it's in our our message. Uh, but First Corinthians chapter 5, if I can find it, if I can see it. Excuse me. I can't even see my notes. First Corinthians 10. Why don't we try that? That didn't even look like a 5. There's no excuse for that. First Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 9 through 11, he says, um, that is, maybe I was drinking a five. That does not look like what I'm looking for. Nope. One more try. Second Corinthians. I bet that's going to be it. I bet that's it. If not, we're just going to quote it. How's that? We're quoting it. I don't know what I did there. The passage I was referring to this morning, someone's going to find it. I know. That's okay. He talks about how these things were written for our admonition or written for their admonition, but they were, or or I'm going to do this one more time. I've looked at this in like three different versions. They were written for them as examples, but for our admonition, for our instruction. In other words, the things in the Old Testament were written specifically for them. We've talked about this, and I love, I don't, it's not original, but we're reading other people's mail. I've said that so many times. We are reading things written to other people. But he says it's written for our instruction. There are examples and things that we can take away. So, so I don't know why the Bible details that David picked up five stones. I don't understand that. But if I wanted to, without trying to make too much out of it, we could talk about, what, what, did David struggle with the normal things of humanity? Like, maybe I'm not good enough to hit him the first time. <laughs> you know, was that, you know uh, did he struggle with that faith in God? Did he just kind of had a backup plan? Or, or maybe he was, maybe he was pre- preparing like, hey, you know, I've been in this situation before. And you hit something big and it doesn't always come down with the first one. I don't know. We could draw a lot of interesting things. But we could make too much out of it, right? And that's where we're getting into our new series. And it's going to draw from this idea. The fundamental things during Christ's life are obvious. The things that he was trying to get across. We tread over and over. And I'm not saying it's bad to do that. But so many of this thing, we know the the, the reason that Jesus was here. And we can run over the same ground and, and miss some of the, the details, not necessarily details that were there to draw these great profound things from, but, but little things that kind of can influence us and, and, and deepen our faith in interesting ways. We, we know the, the resurrection, the importance of the resurrection. That's what our services are structured around. Or the overturning of the Mos- of the Mosaic law and, and the, the elevation of the idea of principles and applying uh, mercy and love and all these various ideas. Those, those we know. But what about the ordinary things? We're not going to go over all of them, but a, a dozen times in the Bible. I don't know why, but about a dozen times in our Gospels, It talks about meals that Jesus ate. What a simple thing. Is that important? I don't know. But there's interesting things in all of these that Jesus ate with. We're going to talk about some of them. Again, not all of them. Just to take some different ideas from over the next month or month and a half. We don't want to take too much. We don't want to take more than there. We don't want to try to connect roads that don't connect. As we go through this, I want you to think about what you would do if Jesus came for dinner. You went to dinner with Jesus. What would that be like? In, in this culture, there's things I can't say. Like, like it would be like if the president came over. Because half of them are like, I gotta be ducking, you know, depending on who's in. You're like half of the congregation might not like me or whatever. <laughs> you know, there was a point in time where 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 someone like Universally, it didn't make a difference, you know. uh You know, William Harrison was a Whig. You know, I can say the Whigs, okay? No one's going to get offended at me. But you know, oh, we're going to have a Whig president over. Yeah, well, I'm a whatever. Right? And, and that would have been wow. But he's a president. Right? I don't know if that's the case anymore. What would you do if I uh, take politics out of it? You you love sports if, if that's your big deal, right? And and. Uh, we're in, we're in Green Bay. The great Vince Lombardi was going to come to your house for dinner. What are we going to serve? What are we going to do? What, I don't know what to do. Whatever the person is in whatever field that you enjoy. If you like science and some great scientist or some great engineer. Whatever the person is that you go, wow. I get to have an hour to talk with this person and to eat. The first thing you'd be like, what am I going to serve him? Right? I have a rule in our home when we invite people, we had cam over, I don't serve Italian food. We had, uh, Rube, some of you remember Ruben, he used to come here. I don't, didn't cook Mexican food. We're not, we're not going to do that. Right? It's just I, I, But with, with, with Christ, what are you going to serve? Like, you can't cook anything. Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7 is our first. These are all, and you're going to know every story. You're going to know every one of these. You're going to be like, ah, oh, I've read this. We're going to try to get something new out of it. Without creating new doctrines or anything like that. Just something for our lives. Whenever Christ came over, he taught people about themselves. You'll notice he didn't really care about the meal. He provided the meal. He's like, I'm bringing something, right? We do that. Someone invites you over. What can I bring? Jesus brought stuff, brought good stuff. Luke chapter 7, verse 36. Let's hope I got this right. I don't want to hunt this one down. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with them, and he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, the woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew Jesus was at the table of the Pharisee's house, She brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and and wipe them with the hair of her head. And she kissed her feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. When the Pharisee who invited him saw this, he spoke to himself. He said, this man, if he was a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman she is. That's an important statement. She is a sinner. Jesus answered and said to him, "I like that." Now you notice he said that to his brain. Him and his brain had that conversation, and Jesus answered him. That's got to be creepy. <laughs> hey, I was thinking that. I have something to say to you. So say it, teacher. Well, there was a certain lender who had two debtors. He owed one owed five hundred and the other fifty. When they had nothing to repay him. He forgave them both. Tell me which of them will love him more. Simon said, I suppose the one he forgave more. You have rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said, Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You gave me no water for my feet. She's washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but the woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil. But she has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. That's expensive, by the way. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. He said to her, your sins are forgiven. Those who sat at the table said to themselves, who is this to forgive sins? So I said to the woman, your faith has saved you, go in peace. We want to talk about this. This is interesting. A lot of dynamics happening in this meal. Let's start with the obvious. Let's start with the woman. Let's start with this woman. Now, depending on who you are and your background, your history, you see her as one of two things. First, I mean, you might take in the whole collection But your first reaction is to see her in one of two ways, and they're both accurate. She's a sinner. Now, we typically make assumptions about her sin. We do want to point out that it is not identified what her sin is. That's the doctrine of the situation. A lot of statements about it, and we're going to talk about why those assumptions are made, and they're probably safe. But just for clarity, it doesn't say. Now, as to why. In that day, with some exceptions, Jewish women were not really a part of culture. They were not integrated into society as the more uh, elite, as the more cultured Romans and Greeks. You'll notice when Paul goes into a lot of areas will say the prominent women of the city, right? And you don't see that in Jerusalem. <laughs> so if a woman has a publicly moral stigma attached to her, is probably a small number of things she's guilty of. Now, I want to get back to the statement? I was just reading this, and another thing popped out at me as I was reading this that it, it didn't, it, it doesn't say that in verse um, in verse thirty nine it doesn't just say that Jesus would know what manner of woman it was. he says he would know who she is and what manner she was a notorious woman in this community. Now that tends as i'm trying to put myself, and we're going to talk a little bit more about him, but it seems to me. That Jesus must not be from this area or not be recognized as being from this area, wherever he is. Because this guy thinks it's a shock, you know, aha, he doesn't know who she is. He's not from around here. And that's going to be important. as We're going to, we're going to circle back around to that. Everyone has sin. In fact, he compares, Jesus tells this story. And he says, one has a lot of sin, one has a little sin. Simon had sin. But hers is abhorrent to Simon. Detestable. To the degree that he couldn't believe that someone would let her touch him. And we might be drawn to that picture of this woman. Even more so, let's identify one more thing about her sin. Is that she is identified as a notorious sinner by her own self-disgust. How many of you have ever washed? Ladies, ladies here. How the average time spent doing your hair. A lot of nice hair on Sunday morning. Have ever washed someone's feet with your hair? Gross feet. This woman has no a, a woman's hair is it was one of the things about a woman that is her pride. My mom's hair is falling out. She got wigs. I hope she's not listening to this. <laughs> she's like, thanks for that. To my grandmas, it's a family curse. She has burden, and she wants to get rid of it. I want you to understand as we look at this woman, this is not, <clears throat> we, we sometimes kind of confuse, and we're going to come back to a similar event. It's a different event. This is not an event where she is giving thanks for something i want you to follow through this the the forgiveness comes at the end in other words she has no guarantee she's not thanking christ for anything she's trying to get something she's she's worshiping literally worship she's bowing down their uh their structure was a little bit different they they didn't have tables like we have tables. They they had a a table that looked like a, a U kind of or a square kind of version of a U, and and everyone would recline at it, and and at the head of it this would be like the head and a and server would walk in to the U and and they kind of had like a platform it was about this high, and she would put down she would put down the plates of food. And everyone reclined about it. And, and the, the prime person would recline right here at the head. And everyone wanted to get as close as they could to the head of the table. And, and um, they'd be on pillows, and they would eat like this. I'm going to step out of my camera for those at home. Behind. While everyone is talking business up at the table here, she's behind, wiping Jesus' feet with her hair. That's the picture. Of what's happening? Devotion. She's hoping for some attention from Jesus, and at the end she gets. At the end, after the lesson and after the food and after the meal, Jesus forgives her then. But she has no assurance of it while she's showing the devotion. That's important. She's a sinner, but she is a soul. And maybe you come from a different background and you identify, maybe you have a, a, a different look because you've been in a situation. Or know people have been in a situation. You look at people a little bit differently because of a past. And you recognize, hey, this woman's a victim too. We look through sin through that lens often of its implications on our identity. She is a sinner, which is true. This person did X, they're bad. This person did good, they're good. And we kind of clarify, you know, that's how we classify things. And I'm not saying that's incorrect, but I'm just saying it's incomplete. Her reaction should make us aware of her spiritual condition. We don't think about the fact often that sinners are victims of their own crime. She's a sinner. We can go too far one way, we can go too far the other, but she is a victim herself. And I don't know what led her to this. I'm going to say some things that are for big years. Well-adjusted girls from stable homes don't pursue this as a career path. They don't go to Harding University and say, uh, what are your list of majors? Catch what I'm saying. Yes, she appear to be a woman who's proud of what she's doing? So let's move to the host. Simon, the Pharisee. It's important. Simon is a Pharisee. Let's talk about his motives. do you think it's odd that a Pharisee would want to host Jesus? I think that is odd. A lot of things I could dig into there. We'll get into some of it. But this is odd, even odder. How does this woman get into his house? Well, doesn't she? Jesus should know what kind of woman she is. Oh, why is she in your house? I think there's a reason here because he's not alone. He is not the only Pharisee in this house. He's got his buddies there. And what is is he doing? He is in verse 39, I think. Let's read this. We've already read it. This is such an important verse in this. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would know what manner of woman this is who is touching. This has all been a test. We'll see. Jesus is not from around here. We'll see how he responds to this one. Or if he recognizes, is he the right kind of prophet? Does he kind of do like we do? We'll figure it out. That's what's going on here, I'm pretty sure. Whether he's curious, I don't know. Or whether he's trying to maintain plausible deniability... There's some interesting things happening because he has divided interest. It appears. Likewise, verse 49 is interesting. Those who sat at the table with him, they're upset those sitting around the table pretending to be a friend of Jesus are are upset that Jesus is forgiving sins they're not on his side so we learn that there's a lot of critics present and this meal has been likely a setup this is not new we just went through we just went through a series about setups He's a Pharisee. What do you know about Pharisees? What do we talk about Pharisees? What's the first thing you know about Pharisees? They're rich. That was Jesus' threat to them. They were rich. And every every rich person has what in this point in time? Well, how do you show you're rich? You've got servants. The most basic servant after food... There's one servant that was important. That was the foot washer. They walk from one place to another. It's dusty. It's, yeah. And so you showed hospitality to your guests. There was a basin there. When you went, went into a home or out, it was just outside of the home before you enter. And, and there would be some pots of water. And you would have a servant there whose job it was. It's the lowest thing in the house to do is to wash the visitor's feet as they come in the door. Now, let's look at this again and understand how does Jesus get into the house without having his feet washed? How does that happen? He has a servant Guaranteed 100% he has a servant for this because you can bet his feet get washed when he comes in his own house. He does not do that himself. And I will guarantee you that the other Pharisees sitting at that table did not get into this house without having their feet washed because that would put him on the outs. So how does Jesus come into the house without having his feet washed? Deliberate. It is deliberate. Because this guy needs plausible deniability in front of his buddies. I'm not a friend. No, I didn't even let him have his feet washed. That's this guy. So let's get to the guest. I want to talk about his emotion. He was not, first of all, emotionally embarrassed to be connected to her. Not in the least. We are so used to his holiness. Which is true. We forget he's a faithful high priest. Who's connected whose job it is to be connected to sin. They forgot what a priest was for. A high priest, is his duty is kind of like a foot washer. That's his job. He's to be connected to the grossest part of a human, our sin. He's not ashamed of a connection to us. We're getting lessons from It's not my mail, but it's lessons. Your worst part of you, you would never share with a husband or wife sitting next to you. Jesus is not ashamed to be connected to you. How many of you, I'm raising my hand before you, have ever come in here and thought, I can't take communion today. Because, X. Has anyone ever thought I've walked out of church at the right time. Can't do that as a preacher. I've walked out at the right time and walked around a parking lot and gone back in. Not understanding this. Not understanding this. A graduate of Bible college who didn't understand this passage He doesn't care. First Corinthians does not say to take in a as being worthy. It says to take in a worthy manner. None of us are worthy. Just wanna, if you've ever thought that. Jesus Allowed a connection with himself to this woman before she was forgiven. I'm not saying she was saved yet, I'm just saying Jesus was emotionally connected to this woman before she was forgiven. Tells us a lot about our guest, doesn't it? His response to all this. I don't want to focus on the forgiveness. It's an important part, but that's, not, that's the obvious truth, like we talked about. We want to get a little bit off to the side here. So much of our faith is premised on the gifts we get. Isn't it? Listen to your songs. All the grace. All the things we get. They're all true. It's all true. Turn on Caleb. I know every, every three years I have to bash Caleb. The songs are true, most of them. About the things we get from Christ. They're true. But I want to focus on something else. I want to focus on the fact that Jesus accepted her gifts. How many songs are out there about the gifts we give Jesus? None. Because we think we are too low to give Jesus gifts. And that certainly we're so low that Jesus would never accept them. Where does that come from? You ever wondered where the money came for this expensive oil? Ever wonder what she used the expensive oil for? Read Proverbs. So we close. And I want to offer a challenge to think again. This is our opportunity to think again. Ever heard that? Think again. Okay, let's think again. About me. For a moment, I want to not think about other people because a lot of times we, we, and it would be a good, it would be one of those great applications for us to say, we're going to leave here and we're going to think about people differently. Think of them as souls, not just sinners. Or, but that's a good application. You can take that with you if you want. That's free of charge. But I want to think about me for just a moment as I leave. Think again, because I am in one of two states based on how I was raised. I think one way. So, so whichever one you are, we're going to think again. I may need to think that I'm a sinner. That might need, I might need a refresher there. I may see all of my decisions through the light of my experiences. I was poor, so I did X. No one taught me better. I didn't know. I was in a situation I couldn't have. And we can make a lot of reasons why. This woman at the end of the day was a sinner. She did need forgiveness. And she was forgiven much. We cannot excuse that. And Jesus didn't. Those factors may all be factors which have contributed to the bad decisions that I've made. But in the end, it is not what I wanted to do. It's what I did. I might not want to do hurt your feelings, but I might have. And that's what's important. I might have been rude, whether I wanted to or not. I was rude. I might have lied. I might have not really wanted to, and I didn't know what to do, and, uh, but I lied. And so on and so forth. And this becomes the string of things, and I might not have wanted to. And I might have felt uh, trapped, but I made the wrong decision. And that's the end of it, as far as Christ is concerned. And he does not make excuses. I am a sinner. And I need grace. And they need those things that he offers. So think again. But I am a soul. And I might be here this morning, and I might be preoccupied with how bad I am. And that might be the side of the fence that I fall on. I might look at myself kind of like Simon looks at this woman. And Jesus might need to remind me, hey, you are a soul. And I died for you while you were still a sinner. I offered you a connection before you did anything so many times. Oh, my goodness. So many times. I've heard people talk about, well, I can't be baptized until I'm a better person. You do not get cleaned up to take a bath. You've never come in and all dirty and said, well, I better clean up and then I'll go take a shower. We don't do that. Jesus offered me a connection while I was filthy. I mean, a different application of the same idea. Have you ever been embarrassed by what you have to offer? What do I have to offer? And we come in and we we take communion and we we think of how many times have we thought of how bad we are. That's a really different sermon of not steal my own thunder. But we're embarrassed by what we have to offer. And we're constantly telling Jesus how bad of a cook we are. Jesus knows I'm a bad cook. And he came over anyway. Specifically, those bad choices I made, the oil from, we know, the the bad decisions I've made, God says, I can use that. Don't throw that away. That's valuable. There's a person over here that needs that story. my mistakes my rudeness the lessons i've learned from those things all of the things that make andrew andrew the bad parts too god says i can use that you just anoint me with it i will accept that gift because we have a god who is graced by our presence